When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast, part of the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Check out all their awesome basketball shows today at hoopheadspod.com. Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Gerald Glassford, coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos. Also, as well, the great folks at Lakerholics.com. The great folks at Basketball University, at Medium, and of course the wonderful folks at the Hoopheads Podcast Network. It is sincerely appreciated. Well, game four is in the books, and as I will be talking about with the guys today, it was a case of just basically you let one slip away if you're Phoenix, because that game, for the good portion of it, was controlled by the Phoenix Suns, but their own demise was their own demise. Basically, too many turnovers, too many mistakes. Gave up a wonderful performance by Devin Booker, who in a very Kobe-esque type performance, looked very much the part. I'm not saying he's Kobe. I'm saying today he might have played very similar the way his guy that he actually followed quite through his bit of his career in Kobe Bryant, looked out there, a lot of mid-range shots, wanted the pressure shots, took a, a lot of great pressure shots and made them very efficient for the most part. A lot of turnovers, a lot of other issues too, but still a very Kobe-esque performance for him, but it was all for naught as the Milwaukee Bucks on the strength of Jandan Satentagumpo with 26, but Chris Middleton with a Chris Middleton performance with 40 points, just kept feeding him the ball, 15 for 33, 3 for 8 from 3. Just a, a huge performance from him with 40 points. Solid play from the rest of the Bucks, for the most part. And they get out of Milwaukee tied at two games apiece with a 109-103 victory over the Phoenix Suns. And here today to talk about the game are two great guests indeed. First up, it's the man behind Lakerholics.com. Where again, as I noted to the Locked On NBA Draft podcast, which I will be appearing on on Thursday. So if you're listening to this now, after this is over, please check out my appearance on my good friend's show, the hugely popular and successful Locked On NBA Draft podcast, where I'm appearing. And I'm again, I want a big shout out to him for allowing me to be on that show and cannot thank him enough for doing so. But again, to hear today to talk about it was a man we name dropped on that show it is a good man indeed it is laker tom and laker tom great to have you here hope you will listen and enjoy that show after our show but be that as it may when it comes to today's game that we just saw i think it was a case like i said of phoenix just beat themselves well you got to give credit to milwaukee they there were constant shooting times where they basically needed to get a shot. That block that Giannis had on, on Aiton near the end of the game was a key play. Booker missing. I mean, Booker should have fouled out. And then missing that layup and then Paul turning the ball over. Um, you're right, Gerald. The, their demise was 
because of their own demise. They made I mean, mistakes. it was just not one turnover. They made mistakes at the clutch period. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it was a shootout between Booker and, and Middleton. 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 I mean, that's the best game I've ever seen Middleton play, 40 points. And he was, he was just lights out with the ball. Booker, you still see that he's a first time in the playoffs a little bit because he made a couple of he, – he, he let the emotions get control of him a couple of times. Drew Holiday is one beast of a defender and, and very difficult guy when you get him inside. I mean, this game was one at the free throw line. They made eight more free throws, and uh, and that was the difference of the game. They shot poorly. They they were outshot by, from the field. They were outshot from the three-point line, but they weren't outshot from the free throw line. Well, another thing I want to say was the poor performance when the team needed the most of Chris Paul. Chris Paul, this is about as bad as I have seen him look in the entire playoffs. And, you know, we were talking about how we you, you always wanted Chris Paul on the team and Chris Paul this and Chris Paul that. He looked 36 well, today. <laughs> he did look 36. He looked yeah. tired. He looked old. He looked discombobulated. And it wasn't so much as what the Milwaukee defense did. It was what he was doing to himself. And, again, it was not just him, Devin Booker, who at times was just carving up the Milwaukee defense left and right, finding those spots surgically. And then other times he could barely dribble a ball because he would be looking one way, try to go ahead and handle the ball and he'd fumble it. And there goes a turnover the other way, just too many mistakes. But here to talk about today as well is a good man. Indeed. You got to follow what he's doing at his awesome site, medium.com slash basketball dash university it is spencer young and spencer again i don't want to discredit what milwaukee did because they won the game and they've tied up the series something which i had predicted the last time we were on but i want to ask you this this game should have been in the bag for phoenix this is something that i think that they really had under their control and they let it slip right through their fingers yeah i definitely agree um uh, yeah we talked about chris paul and i'm still like processing in my mind the last time I've seen you know just a breakdown by Chris Paul like that on the biggest stage um you know there's been a few of them <laughs> well, yes. yeah, I, think it, it's, I think it's reminiscent of um if you'll remember like game five against the Thunder when he turned the ball over in the fourth quarter um but yeah I mean wow um I guess to as Laker Tom said I guess to the Bucks credit I thought Giannis is a as a center defensively in the final minutes was just fabulous um, between the blocks and the steals he got and preventing Chris Paul from getting any mid range jump shots. Same thing with um, stopping Devin Booker from getting easy looks. I thought he was fantastic defensively. But let me ask you this, Spencer, let me ask you this. Aiton though at times really played well on Janice Tentacumpo straight up for me, you know, you have already talked about this, that, in the last quarter, in the last few minutes, both you and Tom, I've told this, you get a steady diet of nothing but Middleton, 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 Middleton. To me, if I was coaching that team on Phoenix, I would try to get the ball out of his hands, double him, and try to get the ball into a tentacumpo because, and I'll take my chances there. I'll take my chances either with a foul or Aiden playing him straight up because if he doesn't have foul trouble, Aiden plays him pretty good. Well, I guess if you let Giannis beat you and he scores 40 points through the third straight game, you're going to have Suns fans everywhere. But remember, you're one and one with him scoring 40 points in straight games. So I take my chances there. Again, at times, Atentacumpo looks awkward against Aiton. He looks discombobulated. He Sometimes he just does not look smooth at all. But you also have a chance to get him to the free throw line where he has proven it's not exact. It's an adventure. So I'm I'm rather take my chances with him than having Middleton have a steady diet of whatever he wants to get in the last two minutes. of. Yeah, well, well that's been, um, you know, like the dilemma, or I guess you would say with the Bucks is that, you know, they, they live and die with Chris Middleton, right? Because you see, you've seen it in every series. He closed, every series. Closed, yeah, every series, every fourth quarter. He's the one who takes the shots in. I, I'd say like a little more than 50% of the time, he that's a winning proposition. And then sometimes it's like game two and it's a losing proposition. 
So, yeah, I, I think I see what you're saying. I guess it's obviously like easy in the um, aftermath of the game to say that, you know, that was a really intense game. And there's in the fourth quarter and like the final minute, there's fouls called um, all over the place. But I think that that is an adjustment for game five. But we'll see if, in, if Aiden stays out of foul trouble. I think that's key. Do you concur, Tom, that you just want to do whatever you can to get the ball out of Middleton's hands? To me personally, I'd rather live and die on the Giannis Hill. Yeah, no, I think that that, I think in retrospect, that would have been the proper strategy that I would have done simply because, I mean, if Aiden's not in, in, in all of the Lakers, in all of the Lakers playoff run last year, the key thing was stopping the teams opposing the opposing team's best player by doubling and forcing the ball out of his hands. Um, you know, it's just amazing. I was just looking at the stats. The Suns had 17 turnovers to five. Nine of those turnovers were Booker and and uh, and and Paul. Oh. And and what what's fascinating about it is that again again a very difficult game for for um, the for Kyle uh, Bridges, Chris Paul, lots of guys. But it, but but I'm but I'm looking instead at, at the Bucks and looking at the at Drew Holiday who was four for twenty. Yes, for the game, and yet I thought he was one of the best players in the game. I mean, he must have caused at least half of those turnovers that that Booker and and Paul had. I mean, his defense is just elite. Um, It's good and it's not good because there were several times, again, in that second quarter alone, when he got hot, Devin Booker was going around him like butter. Uh, Well, but that's because he's trailing Booker around an eight and screen, you know. Yeah, I mean, when it works and it clicks, there's no one that can defend it. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, but but it's still you know it it's it's interesting because his defense was so good that I still thought he played a great game when he's four for twenty. I mean, they wouldn't have won that game without his defense. At the very end, he did make some good plays. Yes, right there for I give you that, and of course, Attentacumpo with the timely block on the right. lob right there for you. But yes, again, it goes back to Phoenix tied two two, huh? Looking like it's going to be a six or seven game series there. Wonder who would have called that. We'll see what happens there, but it's going to be something very interesting to see. Not going to be the Suns and four that some people had predicted. So sorry about that. It looks like it's going to be very well, interesting. As I recall, series. the two of you predicted the the, well, I uh, the Bucks six, six. I believe. Yes, me and Mr. New York. Mr. New York, New York. Who, I mean, I still, about James the, I still predicted the Suns and seven, and I think that'll very possible. It could be very possible, absolutely. Right. But they do have to go ahead and shore up certain Probably more possible than the Suns and Six, or than the Bucks and Six. Could be. You could be right. We'll wait and see again. But that is right now what it is, two to two, as we head into game five. Very pivotal game five on Saturday. So we'll be back on Saturday to go ahead and wrap things up where you're there on the NBA Finals. But what guys, is the rest of the schedule, Gerald? Do you know the rest of the schedule? For the rest of the schedule, I do. Again, like I know, Saturday is the next game for the series. So we'll see what happens there. I'm going to go ahead and check out the, the schedule. So much time it's, between the games. It's just. This is the NBA Finals, man. The NBA Finals. And after that, it goes to Tuesday. So, yes, it's going to finish. Look, you might be 90 before it finishes, but it will finish before you die. Hopefully. Feels like if we just scheduled a regular finals, we could have had a few extra, an extra week in the regular season or something. Well, isn't it funny that how we were talking about how everybody's tired and the Clippers, you know, we usually don't have any sympathy. It for took the forever Clippers. to get to Wednesday, man. But, but remember, they had forever seven, to get to Saturday. <laughs> and then the Tuesday after that. But seven, remember they, when they had to play 17 games in 34 days. Right. And they were complaining, about, and rightly so. And now you have an NBA Finals, which is taking out over the span of, I think, almost four calendar weeks by the time everything could be ending mm-hmm. there. I'm actually three, but, you know, it's still going to be a very distant time. I, I but, think they're just trying to get us used to not having pro basketball to watch anymore. There is the Olympics, but that's a, at the back end of the show. Right. We'll talk about that coming up. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com. And you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Hey, hoop heads. We all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. 
Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Guys, it is the Lakers fast break. It's Gerald Glasser along with my good friends, Mr. Spencer Young and Laker Tom. Please be part of their great conversations that they have at LakerHolics.com and, of course, Medium.com slash Basketball-University. Spencer, I want to go ahead and get into our next subject, which is Lakers. Let's get into some Laker talk now that the series is all tied up. And so many days from now, we'll finally get game five of the series. But getting back to the Lakers and what we're talking about here. And thanks so much, Felix, for stopping by on the program today. I want to go ahead and talk to you about this. We'll talk about something that Laker Tom likes to talk about and a player that he has always been infatuated with, even to this day, ever since he left the Lakers, about regaining him, reacquiring him. And that's Lonzo Ball, because Lonzo Ball, in the past couple of days, the Lonzo Ball to Lakers train has heated up quite a bit, considerably. And I know you've been seeing it all over the place. I know Laker Tom has. So I want to hear your thoughts on Lonzo Ball. Yes, he has become a, great, a good shooter from the outside. Still has a lot of issues. Still, you know, is so frightened of going inside. Excellent passer. I'm not going to dissuade his passing. Plays good defense, especially his team defense. So I want to hear your thoughts on Lonzo Ball. Well, actually, I would say good team defense because you know that that team in in New Orleans didn't play a whole lot of defense. But I right. think he can play good team defense. He showed it in his time in LA. So I want to hear your thoughts on Lonzo Ball heading back to LA. It would be for a considerable amount of money. But your thoughts on Lonzo Ball heading back to the Lakers? Well, I think in a vacuum, like, it'd be perfect, right? So you want a playmaker when for LeBron and when LeBron's off the floor. I think Lonzo Ball is that. You want a good defender? Let's just assume we give up uh, Caruso or THT in a sign-and-trade. I I don't think that's a defensive loss at all with Lonzo Ball because I saw him play defense in his first year for LeBron, so you'll be fine there. Um, and he's young, so if you get him on a four-year deal, he's still going to grow as a player. With that said, um, he's a restricted free agent, and like obviously the reports that the Pelicans will let him go for the right price kind of like sparked off these trade rumors. But letting him go at the right price means you have to, you know, out so sort of like outbid at, at a certain price to where they're uncomfortable. And, you know, if we offered him like 10 million, they're just going to, he's a restricted free agent. They're just going to match and then trade him later. So, you know, you'd still be giving a considerable amount of money. And I know Laker Tom talked about this with, you know, our dilemma with hard capping or luxury tax. I don't know if I'd want a hard cap for Lonzo Ball. It's kind of questionable. So um, I'm like halfway there on it. I'm kind of in agreement with you on that. Again, he does do a lot of good things. One thing I, I'm still, he, he does not a true full 100% playmaker because he does not go to the rim. He's still frightened, very much frightened to go to the rim. That's not his game. And that's something that the Lakers need is someone that's still going to give you like, for instance, Schroeder, the one thing he did well was go to the basket, was drive the ball to the basket. He was fearless in that sense. I'm not asking him to be fearless, but at least one, two, three times in the game, make the defense think that he is going to be someone that's going to consistently drive to the basket. It helps improve open It improves everything on the offense, opens up lanes, things of that nature. So, but if they, you have an individual that they know is always going to stay back and shoot jump shots or pass the ball creatively, then you're going to plan for it a lot better. But he is a very solid player. He's become a very a good rotational player in the league. Probably not what the Lakers were hoping for when they drafted him, but it's now something that might be a better fit all these years later. Laker Tom, I know you once had a Lonzo Ball poster posted right up on the outside of our screenshot here, but 
I want to hear your thoughts on Lonzo Ball. I know this is something that perked up your ears once you started hearing those rumors. And I'm just kidding on the Lonzo Ball poster, or maybe not. Well, you know, I I've always been a big fan of Lonzo's, and uh, really, I would have never known. Obviously, uh, there's a couple of things that I think that that you're still living in the past on Lonzo that that he's really fixed. And then there was a point in time when he didn't really go to the rim, and and a lot of that I think was because of his fear of city shooting free throws. He was a terrible free throw shooter. He's got his three point shooting up to thirty eight percent, and his free throw shooting up to seventy eight percent. That's but better he's than still, the team still, average. He, he did not go. I watched games in, in New Orleans. Yeah, but if you look at the sta- if you look at the stats, he's 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 attacking the rim a lot more than he used to. He's going to the foul line more than he used to. And the the fit with LeBron is perfect because what you really don't want is Lonzo is a guy who can make plays with the ball. He's not a great pick and roll point guard, but he's a great point guard in the open court. He's great for fast break. He moves the ball, passes the ball ahead, which is very effective. Um, He can shoot from three. He's not afraid to shoot. He shoots shoots over eight per game, um, which I think is an important factor because he's a volume, high volume and high percentage three-point shooter. He adds something else to the to the to the situation from point guard on defense because he's actually big enough that he can guard ones and twos and even play some threes. So with his size and and athleticism, he would be a good fit on the Lakers. The big problem to me is obviously the same one I think that Spencer has with it is that you're going to have to sign and trade for him. He's not going to come for ten million dollars. I mean, his qualifying offers fifteen million. So you're going to have to sign and trade for him, which is going to hard cap you. So it's it's kind of interesting that Mark Stein would be dropping all of this news about the Lakers possibly going after Lonzo Ball. What's even more amazing about that situation is that he dropped it as a subtopic, or he actually dropped a bigger topic as a subtopic, which was the thing that we're going to talk about next, I presume, yes, that's which true. is the the desire to get a difference-making playmaker, quote-unquote, so that LeBron and AD can move up a position and play the four and five instead of three and four. That is blockbuster news. That's something that totally contradicts everything that... So LeBron and AD could play the four and the five, respectively. You said the three and the four. Well, yeah, instead of the three and four. Yeah. yeah. Or actually, right now, it's the one and the four. Remember, it's the one and the four because LeBron was playing essentially point. To a certain extent, but he, re- yeah. he was really still playing the three. But what it does is it's, you know, we've, we've ever, ever since AD was traded for, the company line has been that we don't want him to play heavy minutes at the five during the regular season, but he'll do it during the playoffs. So the first year he was here, we did that exact same thing. He played 60%. He played 40% of the time during the regular season at center and 60% during the playoffs. And we won a championship. This year, it, it seemed like with the promise to, to Drummond that he was going to start and then allow in during the season, we only played AD at, at the center for 10%. And in the short time that he was in the playoffs until he, before he got injured, he only played center at 20%. So it looked like the Lakers were, you know, with all of the talk about them trying to get Andre Drummond signed for the MLE, for example, that they were really going to commit to not having Anthony Davis play center at all, even though it's his best position and our best lineups come from that. I don't think Lonzo comes into the question unless the Lakers really are thinking of shifting the lineups because moving LeBron and AD up a position is actually kind of a kind of a innovative way of getting more out of their lineup by reallocating the resources, knowing that they're short of trading chips and they're short of cap space to sign anybody. So one of the things I think the Lakers are doing is making an adjustment to to look at the situation that okay, if we move LeBron to the four and we move AD to the five, all of a sudden our our entire lineup and our entire strategy is totally different. Now. How does that fit with with AD, who's said at times, although it's a couple of years ago, that he didn't really want to play the five? I think it's kind of like signing trades. If AD is really going to play the five and LeBron play the four, 
this has been discussed by everybody because everybody's got to agree to it. It's not going to work unless Vogel agrees to it, Palinka agrees to it, LeBron agrees to it, and Anthony agrees to it. So it's pretty groundbreaking news if this is really true. And this is really where the Lakers are going. Because once you make those changes, all of a sudden, all of a sudden the lineup, what do you have to do to get the team? I mean, maybe they would just do a sign and trade for Lowry if the price was right. One of the things they have to do, and I've looked at the hard cap numbers, they can do it with Lowry because anybody is under $20 million and Lowry would be less than $22 million. I definitely think that Lonzo would be less than $22 million. And if you if you keep that signing less than $22 million, you can bring back everybody else. You can bring back THT on $10 million a year. You can bring back Caruso for $5 million a year. You can re-sign Morris and Wes Matthews and, and all of the guys you need, you know, plus maybe Boogie and Ariza and, and uh, different guys that you could back up the lineup with. But you can put together one hell of a team with three stars. And it could be if you, you, you could also opt for Alonzo, which is what I would do just because of the youth, because he could play with AD as well as playing with. And you don't have to worry about having two superstars on your team getting old if you've got LeBron and Lowry. So Alonzo would be a perfect fit in that situation. It would hard cap the team, but they would still have one hell of a lineup after that. I still like some of the suggestions that we all made on the previous show that we did together. If you can listen to that episode, there were some good you got ideas there. The Brogdon healed backcourt, I still think, is a very competitive one and yeah. could be something that in the playoffs really works out for the team mm-hmm. if that was the case. But having Lowry back there, uh, I think with his championship pedigree, is also something that the team needs to consider. Or if they want to go ahead and pull it off and, and like Spencer was saying, risk that hard cap on Lonzo Ball, you know, that's something where eh, it depends. With Lonzo Ball, I think it's got to be what comes along with Lonzo Ball when you're adding him to the team. Because Lonzo Ball by himself is not going to get it done. Well, you're going to pay, you're going to have to, in order for this whole thing to work with, with Lonzo even, or in, in the case with, uh, with Lowry, which is, you just can't go over the hard cap. And so that means that you've got to draw the line somewhere. And the place where you draw the line basically is that you basically have the, the taxpayer MLE for, for $9.7 million to use on somebody. And you can trade, make one trade. And so if you make one trade, you've only got two chips that really work in a hard cap situation because all of these free agents that we have don't help the hard cap situation if you trade them because you're bringing back salary of guys that count versus giving up guys that don't count. So you've got to trade Kuzma and KCP because they're each 13 million. So there are 26 million you're sending out to make a trade for Lonzo Ball or for Lowry. What else can you bring back? You can't bring back, you know, like it'd be nice to to bring back some of the guys that we traded, you know. There's a nice little small forward guy that we always liked that went in that deal too. And, and it'll be great to have him back. But again, you, the salary cap is the, is the killer, you know, because you just can't bring back people over. I think it's going to be $6 million over the, over the threshold for luxury taxes. Luxury tax threshold is $39.5 million, I think. That means that you can go up to like $45.5 million in a hard cap next, next season. I frankly don't see the connection between moving LeBron to the four and 80 to the five because we signed Lowry or Lonzo. I mean, why couldn't you sign and not get hard cap, make the move to move them to the four and five, but sign Brogdon and and, uh, and Bernie. You could still do that. You'll end up paying $50 million to do it. You know, I mean, it's going to be expensive. The choice is there. Lowry and save $50 million. And there's just the point when you start to get your payroll up that high, it's one player just impacts it so much. I mean, you look at the three favorites next year, the Lakers, the Nets, and the Warriors. What are the three teams that are going to have the biggest salary caps and the biggest luxury tax next year are those same three teams. So maybe the Lakers are zigging financially while everybody else is zagging, you know. Um, 
I, I don't see why you wouldn't just pay the luxury tax and move LeBron and AD to the four five. There's some decisions that need to be made. Spencer, again, I mean, you, you could trade for a good point guard that wouldn't Kemba Walker would be fine. I not mean, his I knees. Like, I don't like small point guards either, but he shoots eight threes a game and, and, and he shoots pretty well and he can get to the rim. You got to look at his knees. You got to yeah. look at his knees. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. My last movie that I saw in the theaters was The Last Skywalker. I know, condolences to me. Wow, man. Right. I I just had talked about that, and I completely forgot that I saw that movie. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't speak great things about it, I suppose. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Spencer, I wanted to ask you this with, again, the consideration that if LeBron and AD are more willing to be a four and five, and LeBron at the four, uh, you know, that's obviously something he's, he's already known quite a bit over the course of his career just would be a great spot for him to go ahead and make the decision. Does he want to go ahead and just make the outlet pass? Does he want to go ahead and take the ball on the break himself? Just so many variables there that you can do with that. But be that as it may, I want to ask you this is that that has to be, I guess, under consideration. They already have must've had the conversation already, maybe at the space jam world premiere yesterday or something like that. But (laughs) let me ask you this. I mean, is that if they give you the go ahead to go ahead and do that, that they are going to commit to playing the four and five during next season, primarily. Does that change your whole mindset on how you want to go ahead and prove the Lakers? Okay. Well, for me, like last episode when I was an armchair or GM or whatever you want to call it. Um, you were Rob Palenka. You yeah, kicked okay. him to the curb and you said, I'm taking over this LA Lakers organization. Okay. For me, I valued like wings um, over you know, like volume three-point shooters or centers. Like, so I, I didn't trade for Buddy Shield in my hypothetical. I traded for Harrison Barnes. I think if LeBron and AD planned the four and five, I think that Barnes would, would be a much better pick at that point. Yeah, yeah, that would signal that you want people. Yeah, but you couldn't afford him because <laughs> you're going to be limited to the MLE. Um, if you give 22 million, if you give 22 million to a hard cap sign and trade, the most you can, the most you can pay for the small forward you need, or the or the shooting guard you need, is going to be the MLA nine point seven million. No, I get the point. But <laughs> all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the hard cap doesn't look as. No, no, no I know. I don't want to be hard cap either. I think. Yeah. I know um, Gerald mentioned Buddy Hield and Brogdon. Um, like, I think the reason that's not in rumors. Like, I'm sure the Lakers will make a call, but. Good luck getting both of them with the assets you have, right? You have yeah. two tradable. Maybe what with maybe why they're moving to the LeBron and AD, the four and five, because it solves the whole it, it solves some of the problems that they've been struggling with, which is how do we get a center who can really can't be played off of the floor defensively because they can't cover the perimeter. And when and more teams are going small, look at this game today. We ended up with a small small ball matchup for a good portion of the game. Lopez was played off the floor. Yeah. Yep. But again, Spencer, I mean, is this something that I think it's the best decision for the team going forward if they play more four or five setup with those two. But realistically, what kind of things can you do with that? I mean, if you commit it all to one person, then you go hard capped on just one individual, like a Lowry or a Lonzo ball or who well, you have the MLE, you get the, the $10 million MLE. But I understand, but essentially just one superstar player and you go to the three superstar route, but you you're, you're very limited on your options after that. You still have the MLE, but yeah. you don't have the biannual. You don't have a lot of the other things. You still got the $5 million you're sitting on with Luol Dang. That's, that's eating yeah. up a part of your cap. But you can, things... bring, you can bring back, you can bring back Caruso. You can bring back THT. You can and... sign somebody for the MLE and 
and you have a whole bunch of, I mean, there's two guys starting in this playoffs that were minimum veteran guys. Yeah. And, and I, mean, and I get that. I take either one of, I, I take Crowder, I take Crowder or PJ Tucker. As well, Crowder's a, not a, a minimum. Small forward for the Lakers. I'd be fine with that. Spencer Crowder's not a minimum. No. Yeah. He's not a minimum. Neither of them are minimums. But yeah. I mean, P.J. Tucker might be after. Uh, well, P.J. Well, Tucker they, was they a both, buyout. They both would be eligible. They both could be signed with the MLE. Yeah, I don't think – I think Crowder's taking a minimum at this point in time. P.J. Tucker may, but that's still a little bit of a reach there. Right. But uh, still, I mean, the uh, your options are limited if you hard cap yourself on just one individual. Yeah, you only got $10 million for the other guy that you want to yeah. bring. And you're going to have to have somebody start like THT or Caruso start at yeah, the two. And, and that's not to me that's not a, a wise option i mean no Spencer, i would just tell I, I mean do you see a reason do either of you see a reason why see to me i it's funny that mark stein put this story of the lakers moving lebron and ad up a position he put this story in as a sub story to the lakers going out and wanting to get a playmaking a difference making playmaker which would be lonzo or lowry but it could also be other guys i mean it could be Russell Westbrook. He's under contract. We could trade for him. We'd pay a hell of a lot of luxury tax, but we'd have a true third superstar. But um, then your shooting you issues are getting worse. You wouldn't be hard capped. You could go out and get somebody else. But then your shooting problems get even worse. Yeah, well, of course, I wouldn't take him for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> but there are but there are other guys out there. Are other guys out there. there there's, um, there's other point guards out there that you can get that would – that could be difference makers and point guards. Yeah. I mean, and so the question to me is, I mean, that's my question to both of you. Do you see the relationship between it having to be a point guard that you hard cap for versus a point guard that you don't have to hard cap for? It doesn't have to be a point guard. It can be any player along those lines. Now, if you want a difference making playmaker, it's point guard. Usually. 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 It could be, you know, point forward like LeBron or, you know, uh, what, what, well, let's get Spencer into this. What do you think? I mean, I mean, this move is the, obviously the smart one if if they're able to go ahead and do that. If it's really, if yeah, if 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 it's really going to be an issue. But your thoughts, Spencer. I want to hear your thoughts on it. That that the two names he mentioned went hard cap the Lakers. Are you willing to go ahead and and continue? with the team based off of just three players, three superstar players, or do you want to build something a little bit more substantial as far as another, maybe a group of players, three, four players that you may be able to go ahead and build instead with, the, with that type of money. It looks like you're going to get hard capped either which way, any, which no, direction. No, not. Well, you I mean, if to. the Lakers are going to build, they're going to build hard and they're going to build. Well, it's something that's going to compete. Well, because then you can trade. If you're not going to be hard capped, you can turn around and, Bring in a player using the bird rights that you've got on Schroeder. You either get an exception by putting him into somebody's salary and you, you give him a second round pick in order for them to make it a sign and trade, or you trade him for somebody on another team. And the same thing goes with Harrell. I mean, there's that you got you got those and 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 Caruso and THT could be pieces in a particular situation if you had an opportunity to get somebody that that was really worth giving up to really key players like that. So there's a lot more you can do without the hard cap. The hard cap basically, to me, like I probably would have a hard time hard capping Lonzo as much as I like him because he's not really a third star. He's just a, an elite role player. Lowry, I think, is a real third star, and I might, I, he might be one player I might be willing to do that for. But I think I, I still think we're better off not being hard capped but what I just can't understand is I don't think this decision to, to move LeBron and AD up to the four and five, I don't think it has anything to do with whether or not the Lakers are going to hard cap themselves. Spencer, uh, any thoughts on what Laker Tom is saying? It, it was a tidbit in a report. So I, I know Gerald uh, or one of you two asked why there was no rumor about like Russell Westbrook, Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, it was just a tidbit in a larger report and I don't think there's necessarily a correlation between LeBron and AD changing positions and us hard capping ourselves. Yeah. To point guard. I don't see it either. Because yeah. Okay. Like there, there's plenty of scenarios where we're paying a giant luxury tax bill and we go a different direction. I think right. 
it's all about availability. And uh, look, I'll just, I'll just take the the rumors at face value. The Lakers want a point guard that isn't Dennis Schroeder, so that's what I'll take from that. And, yep. I mean, we'll see if he could be a sign and trade or a straight trade. Yeah. Well, I mean, so like Malcolm Brogdon could be available, or the Pacers could go like all in and trade him for right. Simmons with a bunch of their pieces. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see, though. I think uh, what kind of things you do and how far into the cap you go and what type of players or what type of dollars you're going to commit to, whether it's Lonzo Ball. Spend all of Jeannie's money. I don't have a problem doing that. Well, she's going to send you the credit card in the mail, so get ready for it. Get ready to spend that plastic. But you know, whether that would be one hell of a credit card, huh? Yeah, exactly. Be Lakers colored. Remember, we actually sponsored them for a small period of time. So right, I remember that. Yeah. So Lakers again will have some tough choices to make. Whether or not to again luxury tax, hard cap. What are they going to commit to? Who are they going to surround themselves? Got to be a third gonna... superstar to hard cap, in my opinion. Oh, if they well, can get a, if they can get a third superstar, yeah, that, do it. Yeah, well, that, see, we'll see what comes across. If you can't, pay the luxury tax. Well, <laughs> again, stars. It, yeah, luxury tax or or to not luxury tax or hard cap or luxury tax. Again, we're still going to be deciding what goes on. It depends on what comes across the table for the yeah. Lakers and and Rob Palenka because Kyle Lagery will not just be heading to the Lakers exclusively. He could be offered or he could want to go to any one number of contenders that are out there in order to go ahead and get another championship. Same thing with Brogdon. Same thing with Ball. I mean, he's going to be out there in the marketplace looking for a big-time deal because this is going to be a real big payday for him, probably the biggest contract of his career. So, Everybody, I just posted an article to Lakerholics.com about how most of the pundits are expecting – this to be the third straight year where there's going to be a lot of sign and trades. Oh yeah. There's only eight teams that have over $20 million in cap space. So, you know, it's the MLE is like the ceiling for a lot of guys and the ceiling for what a lot of teams can fit it can pay to add a key player to it. A lot more feast and famine. Once again, it's going to be a, a some of the haves and a lot of the have nots. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. But guys, it's going to be still very interesting to see what happens with that. But before we head on out, a couple things. LeBron, he's been going around doing the, the car wash, as they call it, as far as going into different media outlets promoting his Space Jam, which is coming out this weekend. Hopefully, as soon as I catch it, I'll provide a review of that. But Have Spencer, you seen it? No, not yet. I didn't get a screener ahead of time for this one. Sometimes I do, but most of the time I actually have to wait until the movie comes out. I'm still waiting for it, but it's, it'll be out very soon on HBO Max and also the, the theaters as well if you want to go ahead and check it out in theaters. Spencer, I do want to ask you this. LeBron did mention in recent days during said press tour that he is very willing and also hoping he will be able to stay a Laker for the rest of his career, which perked a lot of ears, opened a lot of Four, eyes. Five, six, seven. Yes, exactly. So I want to hear your thoughts. Were you excited to hear this news? And do you think it's something that you really want to hear as far as him wanting to play the rest of his career as a Laker? Actually, I don't think this is news because – and I think it was in quarantine or after he won the championship, he said he wanted to stay a Laker. And, you know, he put his money where his mouth is when he signed the extension. Um, yeah, obviously I want LeBron James on the Lakers. I think, uh, I guess the only thing that would change um, his, his actions on that would be um, like where his son goes. If we're assuming he's drafted, maybe he goes back to Cleveland. But I think it's only a good scenario because I followed the, when he was on the Cavs, I followed the Cleveland Cavaliers very uh, closely. And 
he had like a strangle hold on the franchise when he signed uh, one plus one deals where the plus one is a player option. And so he could always leave whenever he wanted. So three of them in a row. <laughs> yeah. I, you, you could see the visible. There, there's a very visible and tangible effect it had on the calf. And you don't want that. So I think it's good that he started in LA by signing a four year deal. He signed the extension and he wants to stay. I think it can only be good. I agree with you. Even if his play drops off like a cliff, just having him there, and this is always around the league. Some players do want to play with him. Some players don't want to play with him. But I think as an older individual who is more team-oriented and is more of an individual that's willing to make his teammates and players better, I think he is an individual that, as he gets older, is going to be more receptive of other players wanting to go ahead and play with him. So I see it as a, as a bonus if he ends up his career, but you're right. I still think in the hindsight, he might want to end up playing a one final year in Cleveland or maybe one year with Bronny. If he's actually good enough to be drafted, we'll have to wait and see. That's a big thing is how good is Bronny and how well is he going to develop at the high school level? Cause he's going to be a sophomore, I think at high school this year, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. and he's going to be a junior. Yeah, he missed his sophomore season because I think he tore his MCL. Yeah, okay. In the injury. Okay. Because I know he this was his second year playing because he had the first year where he was coming off the bench. So we'll see how well his career develops because it's got to start taking off now in order for him to get really to the point where he could become an NBA prospect and not just LeBron's son that's going to get a free ride just because he's LeBron's son. So we'll see what happens there. But I'm very positive on that news that he can be a part of the Lakers going forward. And I'm hopeful that that happens because that means a lot of good things may come that the way of the Lakers and Lakers fans going forward. So definitely like those odds as well. But guys, before we head on out on another great episode of the Lakers Fast Break, once again, I'm with Laker Tom from Lakerholics.com and Spencer Young from Basketball University on Medium.com. USA Basketball, USA. USA. Unfortunately, this has not been the best week for USA as they have dropped two of three in Las Vegas, here in Las Vegas, per se. And the first games that they dropped to, first one was to Nigeria, a team that nine years ago they beat by 83 points, which that sticks out in my mind by 83 points. And they ended up losing to them. Mind you, they had some NBA players on their teams, but still, it, you know, this is that's a dramatic turnaround from one span to the other in less than a decade. And then now you have, I think, on the next night or two nights later, they lost to Australia. And they did win their third game last night. Is that correct? Uh, so who they beat last night? Did they beat Argentina? I think they beat last night. So, yeah. So they finally did win. Still getting used Nigeria to beat Argentina also. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. The once mighty Argentinians are, are not really right now. But thank you so much for the thumbs up to Albert Tacaro. As always, we truly appreciate it. But before we head on out, guys, I want to hear your thoughts. USA is struggling. A lot of isolation from what I've seen in the film and the YouTube shots out there and the videos. A lot of isolation. Not a lot of great teamwork. Some sketchy basketball at best. Spencer? Do you think Pop will have them ready by the time they go and head over to Tokyo? I've stopped letting myself get surprised by the U.S. losing to, like, NBA role players after, uh, I think it was two seasons ago, Patty Mills scored, like, 30 or 40 points, and we lost to Australia. And that, that was the U.S. team that was that started, like, the three best players on the Boston Celtics and Chris Milton. Obviously, we've had a talent upgrade since then, but... I don't know. I, I think we do severely lack continuity. I think Gerald just alluded to it with the type of basketball we play. Um, so, yeah, I think continuity can only get better from here. So I would still think the U.S. is going to be fine. I wouldn't hit the panic button just yet. Laker Tom, I think a lot of the times we just think that we can roll out the basketball and there we go. But we're kind of learning now that we have to have, as Spencer said, some continuity before we go ahead and can say, you know what, this is the team to beat. Well, it's hard to really match the 
continuity that, that some of these international teams have where the guys have played together for 10 years, played in tournaments after tournaments. And, and you go and you vote for a bunch of guys to go play. And basically it's, you look at the top 25 players and, and half of them say, no, nah, I'm not going to play as I don't want to risk injury or I got something else going. And you get half of these guys on there. And you look at the players that you've got, and they, they really haven't been added to the team by fit. Some of them have been added by biases of certain sorts, and, and some of them just simply because they were available. So, you know, you hope that with some training camp and, and some exhibition games that turn out well, that, that the coaching staff can develop the players to reach that point. I think that it's it's quite a difference too when I look at the coaching because Coach K, who was used to running a team where the coach was in charge, if you will, and the players played however the coach wanted them to play and a system that was basically designed to be pretty egalitarian and not to really overload and focus on just running isolations on people. And then you go to pop and, and the team that I, I saw the game too. And it's just like, it's like they're running the, the Brooklyn Nets offense, you know, give the ball to KD, clear it out, give yep. the ball over here to this guy, clear it out. Your turn. You know? Your turn. Yeah. My turn, your turn. And, and, that that doesn't work really well against a team that's got chemistry, continuity, and knows how to play well. Plays a pretty physical game because they that's basically how they've learned to play over there. I mean, I I think we were like 148 to four or something like that when when uh, Coach K was the coach, and now we're like nine and four with Pops. Um, ten and five, I think now. Ten and five. I've long ago lost a lot of interest in the FIBA play and, and in the international play. I just don't, you know, it's, I guess I find it hard for a long period of time. The Lakers didn't have anybody that they wanted on the team. And now we got guys that basically, you don't want them to play on the team just because of, of the fact that they could get injured and it would cost, you know, I mean, starting from Kuzma getting hurt last year and, and playing terrible in the first half of the season and is trying to come off his injury. So it's hard to balance off the sort of nationalist thing of playing, patriotic thing of playing for your country and so forth. When, when you know, like Dennis Schroeder, you've got a maybe a $100 million contract that could be affected dramatically by it. And all anybody has to do is to see what happened to, to Marcus Cousins or, or Isaiah Thomas, you know, to understand that, man, this is a little more than exhibition games. You know, you're talking about your career. You're talking about, you're talking about generational wealth for your family. All of that could be gone. And, and there's nobody that's going to be, and there's no insurance company that's going to insure Dennis Schroeder for a hundred million dollar contract. It's not the same. Maybe if it was LeBron James or, or Anthony Davis or somebody who's really an established player, they probably could go out and get insurance for that. But some of the young guys are, and the second choices or the second tier of players that are being asked to play in that tournament now, many of them may not be able to have a strong enough career to be able to, to get that kind of insurance coverage. Well, I'll tell you what, it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out here in the not-too-distant future in Tokyo. But the U.S. is off to a rocky start, one and two in their first three games. Hopefully things will get better for them, and we'll see. But, yes. Right now, I'm still expecting good things when they head over to Tokyo. But, yeah, the, the teamwork has to get a lot better. The chemistry has to get a lot more consistent. And, uh, again, there's some things that need to be tweaked and fixed when it concerns Team USA. But I'm hopeful Pomp and the staff will be able to go ahead and work their magic. But we'll wait and see. But, guys, it's been a great episode. Again, the series heads back to Phoenix, tied to 2 so we'll see what happens there. Mr. Jamie Sweet, our man heading to New York. Watch out, New York. You've got him coming. I'm just going to warn you right now. He's <laughs> headed over to New York. And before he did, he did want to drop some things on tonight's show. He said he's fine with Lonzo coming back, but he doesn't see it happening. If we offer them more than the MLE, we'll hard cap ourselves to get him, and he's not worth it. When it comes to the idea of AD at the five and LeBron at the four for the majority of the season, he says he'll believe it when he sees it. 
He just doesn't see the AD embracing the idea of that, but that it changes, that mindset actually does go the way of him playing five more often. That would be awesome. He's all in on LeBron James being a Laker for life, but he'll say that the team building within the CBA will be a challenge if he's looking for continuous max deals again, which he thinks will happen. And last but not least, for Team USA, not really as far as the problem is concerned. They got off to a rough start, but they're basically practicing in games. They should still be the favorites, and he doesn't see an issue there. So if you have any games really count. Yes, (laughs) yes. So if you have any issues or you have any concerns, you have any comments, please let us know via a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or LakerFastBreak at Yahoo.com, or you can just go ahead and give us a shout-out at Lakerholics.com. But guys, before we head on out, Spencer, I know you're working on a lot of great things right there at medium.com slash basketball-university. Yeah, so we just, um, I, right before the game, I published um, one of our writers' articles about X-Factors for the NBA Finals. I, I mean, they're kind of predictable because I think everyone's been watching the series, but we'll have more content about the NBA Finals. Uh, I'm iffy on the Olympics just because I think I'm like Laker Tom. Um, I'm not too invested in Team USA. But uh, obviously I've been on this podcast for many weeks now and the offseason and free agency is almost as interesting as the games themselves. So, uh, yeah, I'll be publishing a lot about that. Oh, yes, it is, my friend. Plus the draft coming up and so much more. What will the Lakers do? Before I go ahead and remind everyone what I'm up to, Laker Tom, you're doing a lot of great things at Lakerholics.com. You're holding the fort there. What are you doing to go ahead and make sure everybody checks out your awesome site, Lakerholics.com? Besides making Jamie Sweet's life a living hell. No, I think this is one of the times of the year when even though the Lakers aren't in the playoffs anymore, where we just seem to have just tremendous conversations and so I, I think that I haven't really published anything recently, primarily because I've been what we try what we try to do is is really create a lot of interest in the things that are posted, the articles that we post from other magazines, the the tweets that we post, and so forth. And we like to think at Lakerholics.com that that what the staff does is sort of curate the information that's coming to you in the basketball world. And so we do a lot of commenting to raise opinions, to ask questions, to make comparisons and so forth. And we've, we've just seen tremendous response in the number of people that are visiting the site, the number of people that are involved in conversations. Um, we've got dozen conversations that have 20 or 30, you know, comments on them where the conversations have, have just really taken off. So I invite everybody to come to Lakerholics.com. Let us know what your opinion is. I promise you that your opinion will be respected and uh, you'll find a friendly environment and a lot of people who share their love of Lakers. And then there's the conversation that goes back and forth between Laker Tom and Jamie Sweet. And that's a different story altogether. Well, Jamie just is always against everything and doesn't believe anything until it happens. Oh, by the way, guys, ring, 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 Spencer (laughs) and Laker Tom. I mean, I know you guys are running the Lakers, but The Clippers down the hall are asking right now if you'd like to go ahead and trade for that third superstar because Kawhi Leonard just became (laughs) available. Yeah, in 2023. Well, no, you know, the thing is he had a slight little knee injury and it was confirmed that it was a partial ACL tear and he did have surgery. Don't know when he he didn't even tell the Clippers about until after the surgery. The secrecy on that is just so weird. And it's Kawhi Leonard announced that he wanted to join the Lakers next year on a minimum contract, I would turn him down. Well, there you go. You heard it there from Laker Tom right there for you. But Spencer, very interesting story with Kawhi Bernie Leonard. Le- I mean, it fits, the, it fits the MO of Kawhi Leonard. But again, this is still something that the Clippers have to deal with for, what, nine to 12 months. So Yeah, they dropped to like 25 to one. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's still it going to be a hard favorite. season for them. Uh, and so, again, we'll be looking a little bit better than the Clippers this coming season, at least for the most part. If if it comes to playoff time and they get a fresh Kawhi Leonard, that could be a different story. But your thoughts on Kawhi Leonard getting that at partial ACL tear? 
Well, I think where it's most interesting is, um, well, besides like the effect it has on the Clippers as a contender next year, I think his free agency this is a decision will be interesting. Um, he has a player option, I believe. So That's yeah. correct. Might- now, if he stays, if he stays for the one year, then the next year he'll be eligible for a two hundred million dollar contract because the bird rights will be there. Yeah, well, okay, well, I wouldn't want to be the one paying $200 million to someone uh, with degenerative knee issues that needs load management, but... Don't forget his quad. Yeah, that's not my issue, but... Well, um, they gave a max contract to, to KD after an Achilles, which is a much more deadly operation, which is a much more dangerous situation than, than an ACL. Oh, yeah, but if you alienate Kawhi Leonard, then you get... <laughs> with the Spurs so that's you feel you got to feel a little bit for Kawhi because he wants to play in LA he's already burned the bridges with the Lakers and the Clippers now are probably not too happy with him and there's no other team in Los Angeles unless he wanted to what are you talking about? There's no other team. The LA Sparks is a great well, I said, unless, I said, unless he wants to play for the Sparks and then, you know, the Republicans are not going to be happy with that. Well, there's always the G League team for the Lakers. You know, the South Bay Lakers. They're well, good. I, well, I was thinking then when you were talking about Bronny, I, one of the things I've been trying to figure out, and, and Spencer brought up the subject, will LeBron ever give us a discount in order to bring in a third superstar to replace him when he goes? Or is he going to be like Kobe and, and want to, you know, rack up a max contract? And if he's 42 years old, and he wants a max contract. Now, maybe the only way this could work, the only trade where he might agree to, is trading him to the team where Bronny is. Well, again, that's something that's down the road. And Bronny has to be someone that's going to live up to his end of the bargain first. So we'll monitor that and see if he becomes a player. And as you know, we follow the draft here. Speaking of the draft, on Friday, as I announced on my good friend Rafael Barlow's show, Locked on NBA draft, which you do need to check out after you listen to this. It does have a Lakerholics and a Laker Tom reference on there. So you got to check out that. But we did talk about a lot of good things about the Lakers, their draft choice. Should they keep it? Also, as well, we talk about somebody out there on Chad Ford's podcast. And I'll let you guys go ahead and listen to it. Didn't like Kate Cunningham as the number one spot. So we talk about if he is going to be a number one spot or if there's anybody else of interest there. So we'll talk about all that and more on that show. So please check it out. Plus also, again, I'm going to be dropping my mock draft on Lakerholics.com first on Friday. So you'll get to check that out there. So you see who is going up, who's going down, who's going out in my mock draft. So stay tuned for that. Plus you got a lot of other great things this week, including I just dropped on Lakerholics.com and also on the Lakers Fast Break channel, my interview with award-winning Boston Globe and Sports Illustrated writer Lee Monfield. He just brought a brand-new book out. It's called Tall Men Short Shorts. It's about the 1969 NBA Finals between the Lakers and Celtics, one of the best finals ever as far as competitiveness is concerned. I know that the Lakers didn't win that one, but again, as you look at it as a basketball observer, it's one of the most competitive ever made, and we talk about that and so much more. Hopefully you got to check out that podcast. And is that then also Nelson finals. That is correct. Yes. Oh, Jesus. If you remember correctly, that wasn't to win the game that just put no, them I in know. the lead. See people mistaken that and the way it's framed and the way it's shown, it seems like the Lakers lost right there after that. No, they still had a chance to win, but they didn't. That get was it. pretty heartbreaking though, to see yeah. that ball come it, through it, there after. And, and that the, yeah. And it was heartbreaking. And then they played like that, right. You know, just a short time that there was left in the game, but yes, need I digress. So if you want to go those ahead. moments that I still remember where I was exactly at that moment, watching that game. Well, Lee Monfield was at that game and he talks yeah. about that. So hopefully you'll get a chance to check that out. That's on the podcast channel right now. And of course my conversation with TJ Johnson on the ESPN scandal, that's also some very good conversation right there for you. So please check us out. Lakers fast break, Lakerholics.com basketball university on medium. So we've got it all right there for you. And thank you so much for listening. I, once again, the Milwaukee bucks tie up the series. And that's after a good win by them. Schedule right now looks for Wednesday was tonight. 
So we'll look forward to being there on Saturday. The next game is on Saturday, game five. We'll hopefully go ahead and catch that game. And after that, we'll be right after the game to record right here on Facebook at Lakers Fast Break. Or you could just go ahead and check out the show. So I'll go ahead and drop it on Sunday right there for you. So you get the chance to check it out, the Lakers Fast Break on Sunday. Our thoughts on game five and some Lakers thoughts as well. But guys, we're just looking forward to speaking to you again after game five on Saturday. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Great rest of your weekend out there. Same to everyone out there watching and listening as well. We truly thank you again for being part of another great episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.